It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Elizabeth Smart found special coverage with David Dijanovic on KSL News Radio. Can you tell me the truth? How did Elizabeth wind up with you? Tell me the truth right now. By the power of God, she was delivered to us. And how did God deliver her to you? We are marking 20 years of Elizabeth Smart's return to her family after being kidnapped for nine months. But we are also focused as well on the investigation into her captor, Brian David Mitchell, and his wife, Wanda Barzi. We know that after she was found, that was just beginning, right? I mean, that just began the process, immediately taken into a police interrogation room where, we'll call it an interview room, where he told FBI, uh, an FBI agent and a police detective that God God had delivered Elizabeth to him. And we're going to take you inside that interrogation room in just a moment with Special Agent Jeff Ross, who's in studio with us. Here's a taste of what's to come. Could you be willing to explain that to her family? I mean, do you want us to walk out of here and tell Elizabeth's parents, who have gone through absolute hell since June 5th, and tell them that, you know, God God delivered your daughter Elizabeth, I'll tell you, as I was listening through this, Debbie, I was so frustrated. And I I can imagine that that's just a taste of what investigators uh, were going through. So frustrating to not get a straight answer. And I I, I don't know, especially with all the pent up, you know, having gone through such an emotional case. Wasn't just his name that he refused to admit to. He called himself Emmanuel David Isaiah during that interview, claimed he was a servant of Jesus Christ. And in this bizarre two-hour interview, probably went even longer, that was the length of the video, claimed Elizabeth Smart was 18 when she was really 14 when he took her at knife point. Can you tell me the truth? How did Elizabeth wind up with you? Tell me the truth right now. By the power of God, she was delivered to us. And how did God deliver her to you? By the power of God. How did God get you into the house? How did God get you into the house? By the power of God, she was delivered to us. Jeff Ross, FBI Special Agent with the Salt Lake City Division. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Oh, happy to be here. Um, I listened to this, and I, I'm, I, I would imagine you were so supremely frustrated. I mean, this is probably normal, right? This is probably a Tuesday for you that that you people won't answer your questions or they speak certain. What was, what was it like? Uh, I wouldn't say that. It's a normal Tuesday for me because it's not often that someone claims to be a prophet of God that I'm talking to. Okay. Even, even. Uh, I would say walking into that interview right off the bat, the first thing um, that I noticed was uh, he was sitting with his – I call it Jesus' hands. His hands were up like this. He was sitting in a chair. Each side of his head. Yeah, right. Like you see you know, when – Somebody's preaching. Exactly. And um, – <clears throat> He seemed to be pretty comfortable. There was a table in between where uh, he was sitting and where we were sitting. 
and right off the bat, I felt uncomfortable because I don't like to interview people like that. And uh, I'd also, prior to being in law enforcement, I'd worked in a mental hospital where people would come in and sometimes would be faking symptoms to avoid something. And within minutes of interacting with this guy, I thought it was a charade. And I'm like, this guy is just he's he's manipulating the situation for as much as he can. I certainly don't believe that he really thinks he's a prophet or that he he's just using this. And so he'd said things like he was a servant of the Lord that Elizabeth God had delivered Elizabeth to him. And I can see I'm watching also your body language and the detective's body language and I, I could tell that you were you were just wanting to him to admit like, look, I, t- I took her at, at knife point. I kept her for nine months. I did horrible things to her. Yet he never, he never seemed to admit. There was a point, I think, where Corden Park's detective with Salt Lake uh, had gotten to a point with him in the questioning where Brian, I'm not going to call him Emmanuel David Isaiah, but Brian David Mitchell was about to almost break from and make some statements and you just saw him just like get really quiet and not answer the question. But at some point during the interview, I'd say about 45 minutes in, I just got up and walked around the table and sat right next to him. And I was so close to him at points where I was talking to him where I could see the hair on his beard moving from my breath talking to him. And uh, I think the tone of the interview changed after that because he was and and Corden's actually leaning over, leaning over the table into his in, into his personal space as well. And uh, no matter what we tried to do, two things didn't happen. He didn't he didn't break and you know become physically aggressive. He didn't end the interview. He didn't break down and start crying. Uh, he didn't make any admissions beyond that God had delivered Elizabeth to him and provided for them while they traveled throughout the land. Um, and. <clears throat> That, that was the way that the interview stood, and initially when Brian was charged in state court, this uh, you know Brian was found to be incompetent uh, to stand trial and was sent down to a mental hospital until he could be restored to competency. And while that was going on, uh, a federal indictment was obtained charging Brian and um, with kidnapping and, and, and sexual – and all the sexual assaults and all that other stuff. Um, and they had a they had a – a hearing on competency in federal court. And one of the things that uh, I think I'm proudest of in regards to that interview is uh, they use that interview to show that on Brian's part, he was incredibly controlled. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was manipulating the entire situation because if he were truly mentally ill and, 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 uh, and incompetent to stand trial, he would have lost it during that interview and, and, and just kind of, went off the rails, but he didn't. He just held to that same line. And they used that to show that this was all, you know, find him competent and eventually put him on trial and send him to prison for the rest of his life. That's really interesting because I I was trying to think, was there a positive that came out of that interview because he was admitting to nothing? He was speaking in such generalities. But as you said, because he was so controlled. I wouldn't say that he, he admitted nothing. If he admitted nothing, he would say, I don't know who Elizabeth yeah, Smart is. Instead, true. what he said is God provided her to him. OK, we know that's not going to be what happened. And then tra- and then provided for them while they traveled throughout the land, which is also an admission. you know. And that, that they were – I think he said they were sealed in marriage. 
and that and that uh, and he had and named he, and, her. He had given her a yeah, new sure, name. Sure, Jacob, Esther, Isaiah, or whatever it was. Yeah. So what you're saying is that he admitted that he was traveling with Elizabeth Smart that entire time, um, and and that's a big get during that interview. Sure. Right. Yes. It, it, even it, in a strange way, the way, the phrasing, even though it's peculiar, it's not something we're used to hearing. Or, but again, just in kind of the roundabout way, you're right. He did. He admitted to all of this. Yeah, I much mean, of it. Yeah. Up to a, up to a certain <laughs> exactly, point. Exactly. Yes. Um, and again, he was eventually indicted federally, and I was grateful to see that happen. Um, I sat in court during part of that. I believe it was her deposition and. I'm trying to remember that exact time, but I think he was singing in another room. Yes, the entire time. Do you remember that, Jeff? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't in the courtroom for much of it. I think uh... it's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me, and this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, he spent a lot of time singing. He did uh, that during the interview as well. Yeah, and he got silent on you. And I and I I really you toward the I think it was toward the end of the interview, and we're going to take a break in just a moment because we're going to pick your brain about how to keep kids safe because you you do a lot of that for the FBI. You keep kids safe. Um, you asked you asked um, Brian David Mitchell this question: Why'd you come back to Salt Lake City? Why'd you come back? I was just answering that, Brian. Why'd you come back to Salt Lake? This had to be the hottest place of all places to come to. Everyone knows Elizabeth's face. It's still posted on every single storefront that I've ever been into since June 5th. My understanding, uh, Agent Ross, was that um, Elizabeth had a hand in that, that she had some hand in that in San Diego when they had gone there for the winter. She knew that this was going to be the one place that there was hope that she would be found alive. But thank goodness they came back to Salt Lake City because they'd just gotten here and they were spotted walking down State Street in Sandy by the mall. Correct. Yes. And uh, I didn't believe it when I was told that she was found. I I, I was called by our uh, secretary. I was out working a bank robbery um, and I got a call saying they found Elizabeth and I was expecting that they had found her remains somewhere. And it wasn't until I pulled off the highway to go to the Salt Lake City Police Department and I pulled off the highway next to Corden Parks and I saw him in the car and he had Ed Smart and all I saw was Ed Smart had like this little blonde head and a headlock and he was crying and I'm like – I still didn't believe it. It wasn't until I walked into the parking lot of the Salt Lake City Police Department. She stepped out of the car and you could have heard a pin drop because cops were starting to arrive because now's the time to follow up on leads and interviews and all that other stuff and collect evidence and – I was in shock. I wouldn't have believed it. Did you know you were going to be the one to sit down and interview Brian David Mitchell right away? No, I did not. No, I did not. I didn't. I didn't find that out until uh, I walked upstairs and the our ASAC was up there and he said, "Jeff, you're interviewing Brian. You know what you need to do, right?" I'm like, "Yes, sir." So, you know what you need to do. How did God get you into the house? How did God get you into the house? 
by the power of God, she was delivered to us. More with Special Agent. The Smart Found. Special coverage with David DeGenevic on KSL News Radio. We're speaking live right now to FBI Special Agent Jeff Ross, who's with the Salt Lake City Division. And it was 20 years ago that he was sitting in an interview room uh, right across the table from Brian David Mitchell, who um, we now know is serving a life sentence. Uh, checked last week. He's still in. He's serving in Indiana. And he will be there uh, for... Of her going missing until sometime in August. That was seven days a week. 16 to 20 hours a day for me and a lot of the other detectives that were on that task force. And it was just never ending high stress environment, a lot of work following up on leads. And then we have this guy. And, uh, and personally I was like, this is the dude who ruined my summer. <laughs> I mean, he did a lot worse yeah. to a lot of other people. But you had, you had, you were personally invested. You're invested. Yeah, it was it was like there was a six week period of time where I only saw my wife while she was sleeping, and uh, I mean occasionally she'd wake up when I was leaving. But what I, it was, it was probably the busiest I've ever been in twenty four years of law enforcement because it was it was so important to find her. You ask him his name, or the detective Detective Parks asked, um, and he says it's Emmanuel David Isaiah, and then ask for his address. He said, "My home is heaven." And you know, you, you're it, you're telling me this stuff 20 years later, and I haven't listened to this in forever. So yeah, but that's that's right. You must have just been thinking, and that's right off the bat from the very first moments of this interview. You must have thought, oh, this is this this is not going to this is not going to go well. Mm, I would don't, I don't know. Up, I would say that, but it ends up going pretty well. I would I don't know. I would say this isn't going to go well. What it was telling me is that this guy's playing a game, you know, and it was pretty evident to me that. He obviously doesn't believe that his home is heaven, but it just kind of – my intuition and my instinct was telling me like this is like one of the guys that used to come into the mental hospital where I worked and would just malinger and fake symptoms for some secondary gain. And that's – within my initial interactions with this guy, is like that's exactly what this guy is doing. What do you think that was the most important part of that interview? Was there a moment where you thought – that's big. Was it a lie? Was it a manipulation? I think the whole thing, just how we how we played it, and we were able to show that this was all manipulation. I think that was the biggest point of the interview. Is that you know he made admissions, right? God delivered her to him. They were sealed in marriage. He, God provided for him while they traveled throughout the land. But more importantly, is like you look at the whole scope of everything that happened during that interview and all of the things that he did to just maintain control while he's got an agent and a detective pretty blistering interview. And and he's just maintaining control throughout. I mean, if he were truly mentally ill, he would have lost it three questions in. So I think that is the most important thing for me is that it was used to show that this guy was competent so he could ultimately be prosecuted. Special agent Jeff Ross with the FBI Salt Lake city division in studio with us today on the 20th anniversary of Elizabeth smart being found alive is actually yesterday, but the investigation began the moment she was found into the two people who had held her captive for those nine months. And you do a lot of work you have for a lot of years for the FBI protecting kids. Um, Share with us some advice um, that parents can use today 
uh, starting today on how to protect kids. And a lot of times we don't think of the biggest threat as being somebody entering the home, for example, is what happened with Elizabeth Smart, but online threats, Jeff. Right. In the Elizabeth Smart case, I mean, he was he had been hired to come work at the home after the family had met him downtown Salt Lake preaching. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, doing your due diligence to try and do background checks on the folks that come into your house, I think, is is important. Um, and it's it's rare that I work cases like this. Um, you know, we work missing children cases all the time. I mean, most of the cases that I work involve the online sexual exploitation of children because they may not, uh, the parents might not be hiring someone to come into the house, but they've given their kid a tablet. They've given their kid a cell phone. They've given that kid unfettered access to the internet through gaming platforms and through all the different social media things. And it's inviting people into their home that way. And so safety tips in regards to what we tell parents is, you know, monitor what your kids are doing on gaming platforms. Monitor what your kids are doing on social media. Make sure that you're, if you're going to allow your child to have a social media platform where they can post stuff, that they're honest about their age because the internet service providers like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all of them, if you have a profile that honestly lists your age, they'll put parental controls in place. Most kids, they just post that they're 18 or 19 and all those things are taken away. But parents, we encourage them to, you know, if you're going to allow your kid to have an Instagram account, you better find out what Instagram is, have an account yourself, Snapchat account, whatever. And there's millions of apps that are out there and the trends change as far as what what apps the kids are swinging to. But one of the scariest things for me recently is, you know, obviously I've been working this violations since kids were accessing the internet through dial-up internet connections on a desktop computer that was in the Mm -hmm. kitchen or something. Now, you know, then it moved to mobile where kids had cell phones, kids had tablets, kids had access to Wi-Fi. And then there's the apps that they use. But the scariest thing in the past year are these uh, virtual reality headsets like uh, the uh, Facebook Meta or Oculus um, that give you access. Most parents think it's a gaming platform, but you can still gain access to the same apps. You can still gain access to the same um, social media platforms. And I've we've been involved in four missing child cases probably in the past year and a half where the abuser or the offender has made contact with the victim initially through or eventually through one of these Oculus headsets. And I think most parents just think it's, you know, a place where you can play virtual reality games, and it's just another—it's just another portal to the internet. That I have never thought about that. We have an Oculus in my house. I've never thought of it being used like that. Sure, I mean, you just ruined everything for my kids, and I love you for it. That's great. That's, it's amazing. That's my typical Monday. You're, you're not going to believe the, the the restrictions we're going to have on that, yeah. kids. Honestly, uh, I can think of. Four cases in Utah in the past year and a half where the abuser has gained access to a child. And when I say I'm, I'm talking about people coming from different states, picking a child up and moving them somewhere else. Uh, and contact. Yeah, exactly. Con- yes. Contact was made or maintained via the virtual reality devices. Well, Special Agent Jeff Ross, thank you for taking us down this fascinating, it's memory lane. Uh, it was a story, probably the, the, the story that I will 
never forget. It impacted me so much. It was early on in my career in news, mm. and it was one of the most uh, incredible stories I, I've ever followed uh, and been a part of. So thank you for, for taking us down the, uh, yeah. the memories I, be, of this. Before we let you go, Jeff, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I, when I worked with you at the FBI – Okay. I called you to my office and I said, my daughter wants an Instagram and she's 13 years old. What do I do? And you <laughs> said, well, let her have one, but you better monitor it. Sure. Monitor it closely. And I did. And we did not. And we did not have any issues at all. Sure. And she allowed me to monitor it to her to a T. I, uh, I tell parents that it's not just a conversation that you have one time. It's a topic of conversation in my house that is has has happened throughout my kids all growing up. I mean, my last my last kid turns eighteen today, so I've got all adults now. But uh, so your work's done. You're good. No, yeah, right. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> Time to sell the house and move. <laughs> Special agent Jeff Ross of the FBI. Thanks so much You're for welcome. giving us some great advice. And Jeff Ross in three minutes. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.